want to invite you to take your Bible, go with me to Exodus chapter 3. It's where we're going to be today. Continue our series, Basket to Casket, The Unsettled Life of Moses. This is a character study that we're doing this summer over one of the most well-known figures of Scripture. And uh, man, I, I'm so thankful of where it's brought us so far. Uh, if, you, if you haven't been with us week one, we, we saw from the very beginning of Moses' life that it, it was unsettled. I mean, from the very beginning, the nature of him coming into the world and all the uh, surroundings, the setting that he came in. And we were reminded there that unsettled doesn't equal unguided, that just because life feels unsettled, it doesn't mean that God's guiding hand is not behind the scenes at work. And then last week, uh, we talked about the, the significance of that unsettledness, not just being our outward circumstances, the unsettledness of the soul and the challenges that can come in life that can bring uh, seasons of life that are just hard and, and, and seasons that we would love to resolve at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the year, and they just don't. But what we saw was in those moments that God is working and God was preparing Moses. And if you remember, we saw that God was preparing the Moses in the very end of chapter two. It seemed like a detour as he talked about that the Israelites were groaning and crying out to God. And if you remember, we said the meat and the sides were ready at the exact same time, right? That, 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 that what God was doing in Moses and what God was doing in his people, that he was bringing together something significant that was going to unfold. And today we're going to see the beginning of how this plan to God to deliver his people, how it's going to unfold. And so today, as, as we jump into that place, I, I want to share with you a couple of weeks ago, um, I was at this, this big luncheon for the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board, and there was about 5,000 people in the room. And they had a magician there to, uh, to do some entertainment on the front end. And I don't know about you, but, but sometimes Egyptians are so good, they make me mad. Anybody with me, right? They're that good, like they anger me, like it's not good for me. And this guy, he, he gets up and uh, he walks out. It was really funny. Again, you had 5,000 Baptists in the room and he walks out with a loaf and two fish. And uh, he's like, I just thought that was a good idea. And so he throws those off to the side. And then he says, hey, let's do this. He said, everyone take out your phones and, uh, and bring your calculator app up. So everybody does it. And he says, let's just throw some dates out. And so he puts some dates on the screen and he says, let's add these together. And so, for instance, like my birthday is April 30th, 1981. So like 04301981, right? So put that number in. Then let's add this. And then he starts taking like birthdays from people in the crowd. And then he's telling people like, hey, just make up a date, any date, and let's add that. And so everybody in the crowd is adding these numbers up. And he gets to the end, he's like, all right, so everyone have this number. Here's our number, 81 billion, whatever, whatever. It was like 10 digit number, 11 digit number. I don't know. It was a big number. And then he goes on the rest of his show and he does these crazy things, right? And at the very end of the show, he says, oh, I forgot about our number, right? And you're like, no, you didn't. All right. But he said, uh, he said, man, he basically was like, sometimes, you know, the magic happens in front of you. You don't know that it's happening, right? And he goes over and he takes the loaf of bread <clears throat> and he opens it up and he begins to, to pull slice by slice out of, the, out of the bag. And as he pulls each slice out, out of the slice, there is a number cut out of each slice of bread. And of course, it matches 81,364,000,000. I mean, like, I was angry. And I'm still angry, right? Like, are you kidding me? Like, how, I mean, people were making up numbers, right? Like, how do you do? I need to stop talking about it. All right, but, but, but listen, it was just that incredible, like, oh, okay, right, moment. Now, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm not doing a magic trick today, all right? But here's what I do want to do. I want us to decide something on the front end, and I want you to see something revealed on the back end today, all right? So if you have something to write on, I want to invite you to do that, or you can type it in your phone. You don't have to type in a date, all right, in the calculator app. Um, I want you to think of what is your most common excuse that you use when God tells you to do something? 
And God says, I want you to go on this short-term mission trip. Or when God says, I want you to go talk to that person about me. Or when God says, I want you to go serve in preschool ministry. Or what, what is, when you look at your life, what is it just a common excuse that you find yourself, in fact, I'll, I'll be nice here. You don't even have to personalize it. We'll just say for people. What is the most common excuse you can think that people often use Basically, an excuse to not obey what God is calling them to do, all right? We all got them, all right? We all have them. In fact, you're going to get to hear uh, one of mine here in a little bit. We, we all have them. But here's what I want us to see today. As we dive into the life of Moses, we're going to see this significant moment in this burning bush moment for Moses. And God's going to call him. And what we're going to find is that Moses isn't just going to throw his yes on the table and jump right in. And what we're going to find that doesn't stop God from accomplishing his purposes. And the encouragement for us today is this, is that when God calls us, when, when he calls us to something, we can rest assured that, that his call on our life, it always comes with his presence and provision. God's call on your life, it always, and I say that with, with as strong as I can, it always comes with his presence and his provision. Right, so I want to invite you to go with me to Genesis. Uh, sorry, not Genesis. Exodus chapter three. Excuse me. Exodus chapter three. We're going to read verse one through ten as we begin our time today. So I want to invite you to, take, to stand as we honor the reading of God's word today. It says, "Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God." Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. And Moses looked, and he saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The territory of the Canaanites and the Hethites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Let's pray together. God, we have, we have come to this place. Lord, we have positioned ourselves to, to watch online or on TV, whatever it is, Lord, and and today, God, it's our desire not just to learn some new information, but God, it's to experience transformation in our life. We're trusting the authority of Scripture, and we're trusting the voice of the Spirit of God in this moment in our lives. So God, would you remove obstacles from this moment, and would you allow us to lean in, to press into what it is that you have for us today? We give you this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. What we're going to find today is that while in the wilderness, Moses encountered God in the burning bush where God not only revealed his plan to deliver the Israelites from the promised land, but he called Moses to lead the way. 
And Moses finally is going to commit to that calling when God continually answers Moses' self-centered excuses. Today we're going to take a little bit different approach to this text because we're trying to cover a lot of ground here in the life of Moses throughout this summer. And so today we're really going to look at chapter 3 and chapter 4. Two points today. First point, we're going to get in a little bit closer. And then second point, we're going to dive back. I say dive back. Step back to about 30,000 foot level as we cover the back half of chapter 3 and chapter 4. Uh, but again, I promise to have you done by first pitch at 1.30 today. All right? Uh, so first thing I want you to see here is that God chooses to accomplish his purpose through his people. God chooses to accomplish his purpose through his people. We, we see this. We know that this is God's M.O. This is what he does throughout Scripture. And we're going to see here in verse uh, 1 through 10 two things. One, God's going to reveal himself, and then he's going to reveal his plan. He's going to reveal himself, and he's going to reveal his plan. And those two things are going to give us two insights about the nature of who God is that's applicable for your life today. All right, let's first see how God reveals himself. Beginning in verse 1, it says, meanwhile, uh, that's a very succinct way to say the meat and the sides are ready at the exact same time, right? God was hearing the cry of his people in Israel. Moses, meanwhile, was shepherding, right, his father-in-law's flock in Midian, right? Tells us he's in the wilderness. It's interesting that this is his father-in-law's flock. Acts chapter 7 tells us that Moses at this point has been in, uh, in this region living with his family for 40 years. It's been 40 years and he still doesn't have his own flock. Right? He's not a man of wealth, not a man of means, not a man of significant reputation. He's just living day to day doing what's in front of him. It says here that in the wilderness, it says an angel of the Lord appeared to him and a flame of the fire in the bush. Most scholars believe that this is what's called a theophany. This is the pre-incarnate Jesus. This is Jesus before the manger, but Jesus is showing up in this bush. And Moses, like most guys, they see fire and they're just enthralled by it, right? And he sees it and says, well, it's not just that it's on fire, but what? It's staying on fire. It's continuing to burn. The bush is not being consumed. And in verse 4, here's where we see this initial conversation take place between God and Moses. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. It's interesting to me that some scholars believe that the significance of him saying Moses' name twice here is that in that culture, um, I don't think it was uncommon for them to use a person's name repetitively two times as a term of endearment. And so it could be in this moment as, as Moses is hearing from God, the very first thing that he hears is he hears his name, but it's communicated in such a way that reveals the caring heart of God. It's not one that is coming in the fullness of power, although God has that. It's not one coming in the voice of a dictator who's simply going to just use Moses to, to accomplish his purposes without care, but, but it is Moses Moses, it's a term of endearment, and Moses' response, here I am, he answered. Now, we don't know exactly what that response is. We hear that phrase, some of us, we think of other times in Scripture when we hear a prophet respond with that, right? Here I am, Lord, send me. But for Moses, that's not the case here. This is Moses in today's language or today's translation is, what's up, right? Yeah, go ahead. You're speaking? Yes, I'm listening, right? It's, it's, this is not a posture of Moses' heart of willingness. We're going to see uh, a little bit later in the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4, uh, quite the opposite from Moses. But, but there, there's, there's just a recognition. Here I am. And here's where we see, first of all, that God is going to reveal himself. God's going to reveal himself. Verse 5, don't come closer. He said, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy 
ground. It was uh, customary in that culture that when you were walking into the home or to the place of someone that was superior to you in social status, maybe a, a royal official, that you would take off your shoes, not just because they were dirty and you didn't want to get the carpet dirty, right? But, uh, but, but, but it, was a, it was a posture here, and God's calling him to this posture. He's calling Moses to recognize that God is present in this place and that this ground that you're on, it is holy because of the holy presence of God. Verse 6, here's where we see the revelation of God. I am the God of your father. Think about this moment. This is the first encounter we see of Moses with God, him hearing the voice of God. We think about the journey of Moses, right? And we'll get into this a little bit more later, but him trying to discover who am I, right? Of, I know I'm not of the house of Pharaoh, even though I've grown up there. I'm not really the house of the Israelites. They've rejected me. I'm now living in, uh, in, in, with the Midianites. And uh, in fact, he's named his son Gershom, right? I'm, a, I'm an alien in a foreign land, right? And, and, and yet here he hears the voice of God and says, I am the God of your father. Not just your father, your forefathers. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And look at the rightful response of Moses in this moment. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I think this is a reverent fear. I, I do believe that there was an actual fear in this moment for Moses as well, but it is the common pattern that we see through Scripture, that when God appears to humanity, humanity's rightful response is humility, right? And we see the transfiguration. When Jesus strips himself as his humanity, Peter, James, and John, they see Jesus in all his glory. They go to their face, right? In Revelation, where John sees God, he goes to his face, right? And Moses, in this moment, in response to the glory and the majesty of God, the presence of God, he hides in fear. And so we see this moment where God is going to reveal himself. And here's one of the things that God is revealing about himself. Not just that he's the God of Moses' father and his forefathers, but that this is a God who speaks. This is a God who speaks. He is now speaking to Moses, right? So when we think today, this idea of God calling us, God calling us, knowing when he calls us, the call in our life comes with his presence and his provision, we understand that that calling comes from God himself, and it comes through him speaking, right? And we know in these days, primarily God has spoken to us, what? Through his word. And oftentimes we, we say of the Bible, and it's not wrong to say this, but oftentimes we say of the Bible that this is God's manual for life, right? God's instruction book for life. You heard that before? Yeah, you have, right? And listen, there are principles by which to live, and there are instruction that God has given us in how we are to live our life. But if we go to the place of just saying that this book is simply about an instruction manual for life, we're missing what I believe is the heart of this book, and it is the self-revelation of God. That God has given us his word before we ever think about how we are to live. We start with recognize who it is that we are to live for. And it is the God who is the God of all things, who spoke all things into existence. As it tells us that by him all things hold together, he sustains all things. And what we find about this God is that he speaks to his people. So today when you hear that God's call on your life, that it comes with his presence and his provision, there is a call on your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there is a call on your life. And God has spoke that into your life through his word. He has spoken about saying, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are to give your life in following him, following him and living your life to, to see others come to faith in Christ and to, to live the life of a disciple maker, of helping others take their next step in their faith journey. There is a call on your life if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and that call has come because God has spoken. So God reveals himself, but he also here is going to reveal his plan. This is verse 7 through 10. I want you to write down three words for me, or you can 
uh, write them in your phone, or you can simply ignore me. Whatever you want to do, all right? Uh, three words, motive, purpose, and plan. Motive, purpose, and plan. That's what he's going to lay out for us. For, well, he's going to lay out for Moses, and we're going to be able to observe that, all right? So <clears throat> we now come to this place in verse 7. The Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings. Write this verse out to the word motive. This is where we're seeing the motive of what God is going to do here. Meat and sides are ready at the right right time. uh, God is going to begin to unfold now his plan of deliverance. And the motive of it that we see here in verse 7, in fact, we see it down in verse 9. It says, so because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Very much connected to the end of chapter 2 in verse 23 through 25, right? It's the same thing. The motive of what he's doing, he is hearing the cry of his people. He is seeing the oppression of them, and he is ready to step in. And that comes to the purpose. Verse 8. And look at the picture here of the gospel. It's so good. He says, I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. Tony Marita, pastor in North Carolina, he says this. He says, don't miss the fact here that what God is saying in his purpose here is that he is going to save them from something and he is going to save them for something. What is he saving them from? Slavery, right? What is he saving them for? We're going to see as this unfolds, he's going to save them for, for them to be a witness to the nations and to save them that they might be worshipers of him. Witness and a worship. And so again, what is the purpose here? God is going to come down and he is going to deliver them from slavery that they might be a witness and be people of worship. What is the gospel? The gospel is that you and I, that we are slaves to our sin, that there is nothing that we can do to free ourselves from the oppression of that sin, but that God in his love for you has sent his son Jesus to come down and to rescue us, to save us from something, to save us for something. It is what God does. He is a deliverer of his people, right? So that is the purpose. Now what's the plan? Look with me in verse 10. Moses, therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Don't miss here the connection that we saw in week one where Miriam, Moses' sister, right, when Pharaoh's daughter finds the the basket, right, the word ark that is used there and and pulls the baby out, right, And, 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 and Miriam in this moment of bravery and courage, right, she's proactive and speaks up and says, hey, do you want me to go find a Hebrew who is nursing that can nurse this baby? And Pharaoh's daughter said, go. And here at the calling of Moses, the call is this, go, so you can circle that word go, and then, and then underline that next phrase or circle that next phrase, whatever you want to do, I am sending you. Again, I want us to feel the weight of what's happening in the life of Moses here, right? I mean, some of us, we recognize this from our job, right? You, you, you're sitting down uh, around the table or where, wherever, and, and, and a supervisor comes in, and, and they say, listen, I got this great plan. I got this vision of how we can leverage our business to have a huge impact and maybe to see great profits. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And you're sitting there going, yeah, 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 this sounds awesome. This sounds great. And then they turn to you and say, and listen, you're the one to lead it. Wait, what? <laughs> That's not what I thought we were getting into here, right? And so for Moses, he's, he's hearing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I've heard their cries. 
And now I'm coming to rescue them. And no doubt, I, I think for Moses, like, okay, yeah, Moses, you're my guy. What do we find here? We see in God's self-revelation, we see that God is a God who speaks. And as God is going to reveal his plan, we see that God is a God who sins. God is a God who speaks, and God is a God who sins. Moses, I am sending you. God accomplishes his purposes through his people. It's what we find in Scripture. We see it all throughout. Our God is a sending God. Here in a few weeks, we've got a team that's going to be going to Greece. We've got a team that's going to be going to, uh, to Germany. We've got a team that's going to be going to Guatemala. I can't think of any other G's, all right? But we got to, that wasn't intentional. We're going to a lot of G places, all right? To Greece and to Germany and to Guatemala. We're going to these places. Why are we doing that? Because our God is ascending God, and he is still sending us today to take the gospel to the nations. We, we try to inspire you and encourage you and equip you to be a gospel light in your neighborhood, that your home would be a place that is marked at, as a people of faith, of people who believe the gospel, who live out the gospel, who are willing to serve those that are closest around you. Why? Because our God is ascending God, and he has sent us to the nations, and he has sent us to our neighborhoods. We try to help you understand that your vocation, your place of work, that it can be a place of worship. That God has put you there, not just to make a lot of money, to have a nice house, to drive the car that you want to have, so that you can retire with a lot of money in your account. It's not why God has given you the gifts and the passions that he has given you. He's given you those things because he's ascending God. He has sent you into your field and whatever it is that you do or your hobbies, he has sent you into that place. When we look at this passage, it is, it is, it is uh, very evident that God's nature and what he loves to do is to accomplish his purposes through sending his people. And so don't miss that today, that, that, that the call for, for Moses is the same call for you and I today. To take the message of a God who came down to rescue people from their slavery. And so we, man, we want to see people latch on to that call, to understand that call, and to walk into that call. We want to see more and more our church continue to be a church where we see young men and young women called by God and responding to the call of God to full-time vocational ministry. That next generation of pastors and worship pastors and children's minister and missionaries to know that this is what God does. He calls people to serve him. It's a, it's a general call for all of us to live our Christ-centered purpose. There's specific calls that he gives us in our vocations and our giftedness. There's calls that he gives us in places of service, in preschool and in children's ministry and, 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 and in local missions. There's, there's calls that he places on our life for short-term mission trips. We want to see people lean in to ascending God by putting their yes on the table. Man, I was so encouraged. Uh, I think it was last week I saw, some of you may remember the name Caleb Brazier. Caleb grew up in our church and uh, felt the call of God on his life to be a pastor and went and spent years prepping through, uh, through seminary and has planted a church in South Florida. And last week, I just saw this guy named Brad Jett took his uh, students from his church to go partner with Caleb Brazier in South Florida to do a block party to help them reach their community. I thought, man, how awesome to see the connectedness through our church of what God is doing to reach people. Why? It's because people are responding to ascending God. 
And man, I hope more and more, and I hope as a church we'll continue to be praying that, that we would see more and more young men and young ladies responding to the call of God to full-time vocational ministry. Why? It's because what God does. So the call of God goes out to Moses. He has the opportunity now to respond. And as we're going to see, his response to this call, his response to the nature of the speaking and sending God is quite telling. Second thing I want us to see today is this, is that God chooses to accomplish his purpose despite our preferences. God chooses to accomplish his purposes despite our preferences. What do I mean by preferences? It means that when God calls, I choose what I want over what he's calling me to. Almost 10 years ago, well, it was really more than that, um, about 12 years ago, our former pastor left, went to a new calling that God had for him. And in that season, people very graciously were like, Michael, we, you know, we'd like for you to be the next pastor of our church. We think you should be the next pastor. And I'll tell you the time, I was 31 years old. I'd never been a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. And I went home to Abby, and I said, Abby, our Christmas tree would have to self-combust, and I would have to hear the audible voice of God for me to pastor that church. Now, hear me. That's nothing against you, all right? Let's just be clear. I love you, right? It had nothing to do with the people. It had everything to do with me. Why? Because I didn't want to be a senior pastor. I've never wanted to be a senior pastor. There are still days I don't want to be a senior pastor, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, hear me carefully, I'm not living my dream job right now. It was never my dream. I didn't want to do it. But God had different plans, didn't he? And I'll tell you, my Christmas tree didn't self-combust, and I didn't hear the audible voice of God. But I can take you back to October 2013, where as clearly as I've ever since the Lord speaks, said very clearly, you're going to pastor these people. But I didn't like that. I didn't like it. Why? Because it didn't fit in with my preferences. It didn't fit in with what I understood the trajectory of, trajectory of my life was going to be. For me, in that moment, I wanted to choose my preference of staying comfortable. I wanted to choose my preference of not walking into a season or a life of being very uncomfortable and feeling very unqualified and feeling very overwhelmed. Does that sound familiar? I wanted my preference, not his plan or his purpose. So when we talk about preferences today, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's choosing my way over what God has for us and the call that he's placed on our life, whether that's to serve in a certain ministry here, whether that's to serve in your neighborhood, whether that's serving to the nations, whatever it is. And so we have to be careful here that we don't jump on Moses of how he's going to respond, pointing, I think, to his preferences over God's purpose for his life. And I want you to see here, again, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because we're, here's where we're going to back up and take a 30,000-foot view uh, of the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4 because Moses is going to respond with five excuses to the call of God on his life. Five excuses that he's going to give, and I'm going to give them to you in question form. All right? Five questions that I'm going to give you. All right? That Moses' Moses' response to this call from verse 10 to go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. The first question is this, who am I? Who am I? Right? We see it here in chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses asked God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Again, I think this is speaking to the nature of who Moses was and who Moses believed himself to be, in many ways not even knowing who he was, right? He doesn't feel like an Egyptian. Those are not his people. The ones that he considered his people, as he went out to his people, they're the ones who rejected him. If you remember, we talked about in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 7, where it says that Moses believed that the people would follow him as a deliverer, and they didn't. They rejected him, didn't they? 
And so now he's in this place where for 40 years, a shepherd in the wilderness. In fact, I think it's Genesis 46. I may be wrong on that, so don't hold me to it. But the end of Genesis is talking about Joseph coming down from Egypt, and it says that the Egyptians, they detested shepherds. They detested shepherds. So, so here's Moses who grew up in this household with an understanding of shepherds that it's not just like we don't like them. We, we can't stand them. We want nothing to do with them. We could not uh, degrade them any more than we possibly can of who they are as people. And now he is one for 40 years. I mean, imagine your life where you've grown up in your life hating and mocking the University of Alabama, and now you're a fan, right? What happened? Not a lot of confidence there, right? Where, what is my life about? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? In many ways, I think for Moses, feeling like a failure. And what does God say? Verse 12, he answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you to Egypt. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. In response to Moses' excuse, who am I to do what you're calling me to do? In a sense, God says, it's really not about you. It's about the fact that I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. You don't need to worry about whether you think that you qualify. You don't need to worry about the insecurities of who you are. You need to know that I'm going to be with you. And as evidence, we're coming right back to this place and you're going to see my faithfulness. The first question, who am I? Second question is, who are you? Look at me in verse 13. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Now, remember the context here in Egypt. This was, a, this was a people of a myriad of gods. God of the Nile, the God of the sun, the God of the rain. You had all these different gods. And so it could be that in Moses' question here, it could be that there's just not a full awareness. And he's just asking, like, which, which one are you? Like, out of all the gods, which one are you? And, and God responds here. He doesn't go to his name first. He goes to his nature first. Here's what you need to know, Moses. I am who I am. Here's what God is saying as he gives this response in his nature. He is saying, I am self-existent. I am self-sufficient. There is no one above me or behind me, ahead of me. I, I, I am the one in which all things depend on. I am life through me. All things have breath and existence. That's who I am. And then we see that he does give his name here. Look at me in verse 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, notice in your translation, more than likely it's in all caps. This is Yahweh. This is I am. He's saying I am. That is my name, right? Look with me. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am, be, I am to be remembered in every generation. For Moses, this is, I think, an excuse of faith. Can I trust you? And God says, I am. You tell them that I am to send you. It is my name and it will be for every generation. Next question is this. What if I fail? 
What if I fail? Coming out of, of, of the second excuse, God had given him instruction, go to the elders of the Israelites and tell them what's happening. Tell them that I've sent you and they will listen to you. They'll respond. And in the beginning of chapter four, Moses answered, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say that the Lord did not appear to you? Moses is saying, well, what if we get this thing rolling and it doesn't go the way that you're saying? Some of us, we recognize how that has been true in our life, that question of what God's called us to. And and we can be real quick to say, yeah, but God, what if it doesn't work? God, what what if I finally do go to that neighbor and I share the gospel with them and they don't respond? God, what if I fail? It's interesting Again, and I think we're seeing the posture of Moses hard, and I think we're seeing the revelation of this being an excuse, not an authentic, sincere concern for Moses, because God had just told him in verse 18, right? They will listen to what you say. Yeah, but God, what if they don't? What if I fail? What if it doesn't go as I thought? And we see the response of God. The Lord said to him, what's in your hand? This is verse 2, staff. Throw it on the ground. He said, and Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. Let me just say, if this was Michael Wood, be I, no, I'm good, right? I'm good. <laughs> so he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. Verse 5, this will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Remember, if you were with us last week, where Moses, we saw the heart of a deliverer, right? First, it was there with his brother, the Israelite, who was beaten. Then we saw with him running off the shepherds, right, by the well in Midian, right? The heart of a deliverer. We said there for Moses, in many ways, it was the heart of a deliverer with a sword. And God's plan was a deliverer with a staff. And as he's responding here with a question of, what, do I, what if I fail? God's response is, you're worrying about if, you're, if you will fail. You need to set your focus on my power. You need to focus on the fact that I am the God who can not just turn your staff into a snake and do it again, but as we see here, stick your hand into your cloak, brings it out with what's believed to be leprosy, sticks it back in, it's healed again. He's saying, listen, you are forgetting the power of I am when you lean on your shortcomings. Last one is this. What if I won't? I'm sorry, what if I can't? Verse 10, but Moses replied, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently since you have been speaking to your servant because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. He said, God, you want me to be the mouthpiece to the most powerful man on the face of the earth. You want me to speak for you. Do you not understand the limitations that I have? God, what if I can't do this? And I love how God responds there in verse 11. The Lord said to him, who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Listen to what he says. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Listen, when we we look at our limitations and we look at our shortcomings, we forget the one who is calling us to it. And God's call on our life, it comes with his presence and it comes with his provision. And ultimately, it brings us to a place where we have to decide if we're going to be obedient or not. And for Moses, it came to a place where he was like, no, I'm good. That's the fifth question. What if I won't? Verse 13, Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. This is not a, for Moses, it comes across as we read it, this comes across as a respectful 
question, a respectful request to God. But the way that, that this is written in the Hebrew, it really is more Moses just saying, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. I don't want to do what you're calling me to do. And notice the response of God at this moment. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Listen, we hear all the time that God loves us unconditionally, and he absolutely does, and praise God for that, right? And we know that his word tells us that his mercies are new every single morning. We're thankful for that, aren't we? But don't miss that God doesn't take it real well when he calls us to something and we say no. It doesn't please the heart of God when we choose our preferences over his purposes. But God, in his grace towards Moses, he says to Moses, listen, I'm going to bring Aaron to you. Now think about this. He's been in the wilderness for 40 years. They probably hadn't spoken for 40 years. We don't know that for sure. He says, I'm going to bring Aaron, and Aaron is going to be your voice. You're going to be like God to him. You're going to share with him what to say, and he's going to speak. And then we see as we continue chapter 4, it says that God spoke to, 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 to Aaron. Guess what? The meat and the sides are ready at just the right time, aren't they? And Aaron is going to go to his brother who he hasn't seen. And they're going to go to the elders. And as they go to the elders, they're going to share with the elders. The elders are going to respond. And look with me at the very end of chapter 4. This is what we miss when we don't put our yes on the table and respond to what God's called us to. Look at the very end of chapter 4, verse 31. The people believed when they heard that the Lord had paid attention to them and that he had seen their misery, what? They knelt low and worshipped. Moses would have missed this moment. He would have missed this moment outside the grace of God and ultimately him coming to a place of saying yes. And that's my heart's desire for all of us today. But listen, we know that God is a God who speaks and we know that God is a God who sins. The question is for us is, how do we respond to the call on our life? Will we respond with our preferences and excuses that we want to come up with? Because here's what I believe, for every excuse that we have, God has an answer. That answer is in his presence. That answer is in his provision. So I want you to go back with me to what you wrote down at the beginning of our time together. Again, I'm not going to like read your mind and say what you wrote down. Right? I'm not going to do that. But here's what I would guess. Whatever it is that you wrote down in your personal life or what you've seen to be true in others, it fits within one of these five questions. Who am I? God, why would you choose me? There's other people better off. Who are you? God, I, I don't know that I want to step into this because I, honestly, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if you have my best intentions at heart. I, God, I don't know what it is that you want to accomplish. Can, can I really trust you? What if I fail? God, I don't want this train to leave the station because I'm not confident that it's going to get to where it's supposed to go. God, what if I can't? God, I just see my limitations. I, I, I see the things, the, 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 the challenges in my life. And, and, and so, God, I, I just know. Or what if I won't? I'm going to choose my preferences over your purpose. And here's the hope for us. Is that God is patient with us. And that where we may have said no, today you can hear that that may have been not yet. Because today, God in his grace towards you, that calling is still there. And today you need to respond to that calling. Respond to what, what Christ has done for you and out of the overflow of that. To know that he has saved you from something and he has saved you for something. 
And we see again the image of the gospel here, not just that he would come down and rescue his people from something for something, but even in how he's going to do it in the use of this deliverer who, catch this, who the people initially are going to reject, aren't they? Moses, who do you think you are, right? And Moses heads off from Midian. And yet God says, the one whom the people have rejected, that is going to be my deliverer. And in Acts chapter 7, it's going to make that connection for us. As the scripture tells us, the one whom the people rejected, what God has made the cornerstone, hasn't he? It is Christ himself who the people rejected that will be the deliverer of his people. And so the call for us is to respond to the gospel and what God has done delivering us from something and delivering us for something and responding to him sending us into our neighborhoods, into the nations, into the specific call he has in our life. And when we do that, it magnifies the name of God. And I don't know anybody in here who's a Christ follower who would say, I don't want that. Right? We all want to bring, we want to magnify the name of God. And it is one thing to do it with our lips, but it is a whole other thing when we do it with our lives. Responding to the call of God on our lives. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me today. As I told you at the beginning of our time, we're going to have a chance to respond in song today. As Casey's going to come and to lead us in that song, Christ Be Magnified. And as we get ready to go into singing that together, I, I just want to encourage you today. Number one, just to remember the nature of our God, a speaking and sending God who has come down to rescue his people, to save them from something and to save them for something. Save us to be worshipers of the one true God. And to save us to be witnesses to a lost and dying world, responding to how he has sent us into the world. Today, I pray that you would hear once again the call of God on your life to live out your Christ-centered purpose. For some of us here, maybe some that are watching, that God in his grace has put that specific call before you again today. A place of ministry, a short-term mission trip. Maybe for some in here that you're in those retirement years and you're hearing the call of God to maximize these moments that you have, the time that you have available, not to ride off into the sunset on your pontoon boat, but to leverage all that you have to be running as hard as you possibly can until you touch the tape and go home to him. It's God's calling and sending. Would we be people who don't look to our preferences, but we look to his purpose and his plan and we put our yes on the table when we do it. We know that the name of Jesus is magnified in our obedience and our going. So Father, today... We're so easy for us to connect with the life of Moses here because it's so easy for us to, to choose our preference over your purpose for our life. And God, we're grateful as we see here that for every question that Moses had, Lord, you had a response, either your presence, your power, your provision. We go on and on, God. But you can accomplish your purposes because you're with us and you're faithful. So God, as we respond to you today, I, I pray that you would 
take the truths of your word and spirit, what you've done, and just allow them to settle deep into our soul to help us to be more willing to put that yes on the table to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to